Can you grow anything anytime, anywhere? Well, the landscape of gardening has changed over the years, and we're going to talk about that right here on the Backyard Gardens podcast. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Welcome to the Backyard Gardens podcast, where we talk about all things gardening and give the information out for you to be successful in your garden, whether it's your first or your last. We are your hosts, Ben, the backyard gardener, and Batavia, the front yard gardener. One in the country. One in the city. Now get ready as we dig deep into this wonderful world of gardening as we learn to grow and grow for change. That was a mouthful. I do have to say so myself. The world of gardening is a mouthful. It is. So before we get into the listener question and all that fun stuff, I just wanted to clarify what this is about so we can kind of hook you in. It's uh, about the way gardening has changed over the years. So there was, you could get plants one way back 20, 30 years ago, and now it's totally different. So we're just going to talk about that and like customer dynamics and all, just all that good stuff. So fair enough to say? Yeah. Yeah. So um, before we get going to t-shirts from now until New Year's, use the code Jolly. J-O-L-L-Y-B-Y-G, all one word, for 10% off of all of our merchandise. And we're going to try and be adding some stuff between now and then. So if you don't see something, keep checking. I've got some hand-drawn stuff I'm trying to get on a shirt. So we'll see how that goes. But I believe Batavia is rocking the question today. So oh, shoot. I just clicked away. You did that fast. Did you see me like I was in my arms like, okay, well, go ahead. I saw you sit back like he's going to take a nap. Yeah. And so um, I'm going to name this person's name because there are multiple Patrick's. And so if you by chance didn't want me to say your name, we're going to pretend it's another Patrick. Um, Perfect. So this question, and it's a detailed one. So stay with me here. All right. So leads off with, I have an ethical question. I found an egg clutch. He gave me the official name, but I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm not going to say it. He spell found it. an hmm? spell I was spelling it. O O T H E C A Othica. I'm sure that's sure. wrong. But it's an egg clutch of the Chinese praying mantis, which is an invasive species. Uh, this particular invasive species is actually available for sale in the US for pets or gardens. And according to he's citing Wikipedia, which many of us do. Um, this was introduced way back into the, like the late 1800s by a nursery person um, back in Philadelphia in the U.S. So the question is regarding the already widespread invasive species and whether or not he should destroy it. And he's saying to me that his Boy Scout, like his tendencies as a Boy Scout really wants him to destroy it or if he should keep it in his fridge and allow the tiny guys to invade his garden as natural pest control. But, you know, my ears perked up and eyes when I saw that. Um, so he <laughs> said so the praying mantises are praying for our response. Um, and by the way, he's not going to like destroy, destroy them. Uh, he'd either release them into the wild or perhaps he'd hatch them and keep a few as a pet right so he has a whole plan and based on our dialogue previously like this is like not foreign to him right um so that's the question 
Would you like my response to him? Sure, because I got a lot to say about yeah, that. Yeah, of course you do. So, <laughs> now, that's a question of the day is the way I prefaced it, right? So my first question before I answer his question is, are you thinking of destroying them because it's so invasive and perhaps you'd be doing nature a favor and helping control the species? Um, so, But I'm going to fast forward to my answer. I'm, I'm sure that I would destroy it because that's just like, kind of my thing like oh you would or would i would w-o-u-l-d yeah. right um but it seems like you have a great interest in watching them through their life cycle so my answer for you is release and keep others as pest and so he came back around and said yeah if he chose to not release them it's because he you know they really don't belong here right um but they've been here so long does it really make a difference? Is he really going to make a difference? He's not putting a dent into this invasive species. It's all over. End scene. So scene two, a action. So Patrick, first of all, if you're a boy scout, you didn't learn that stuff for no reason, dog. Like, you know, what's right. You got to do what's right, baby. And sometimes it ain't easy. And sometimes it don't sit well, but invasive means invasive. And, Thank you, Patrick, for giving us a question that ties in perfectly with today's episode, because how stupid is it that people sell you invasive species mm. to put inside of your gardens? Because invasive is exactly that invasive. So we should be getting rid of these things. And it's ridiculous. I mean, you can cite things across the world. Like people in Florida are dealing with pythons, invasive species introduced by people keeping them as pets. You know what I mean? Lionfish, worldwide problem. And to the point, if you ever go on a vacation somewhere, like they kill them on site mm -hmm. because they're not supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. So these are all things that you need to keep in mind. And, and yes, you are doing nature a favor if it's not supposed to be here. And you are making a difference because each one of you. Each person listening to this, especially if you're listening to this, but everybody out there is equally important in all of their actions that they do on this planet to make it a better place or a worse place. So it is up to us to make the correct decisions. So invasive means invasive. Now, the question is, why is it invasive? What does it do? Here goes where our lack of research kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm imagining that if it's invasive, that like it's invasive because it probably kills something that's very important out there mm -hmm. is what I would imagine. Right. Yeah. So it's not going to do you any good if you put it in your yard and it's killing something else that's important that you might not even know about. How's that? Yeah. And I think this is um, and yeah, I mean, this is just gardening is just like anything else. People give you clues about what they're leaning towards and what they're thinking about when you have conversations like this and all this is this is an exchange you know that we're sending back and forth with the interweb like you can tell from the get-go like basically he knows what he should be doing um, but i think it's really interesting because the there's ledge. also that moment of um so this question teeters on one i'm not surprised that he knew and and identified what this is just based on my dialogue with him right um right. and introduces the question of kind of understanding what lives in your garden mm -hmm. right you know so um the especially for brand new gardeners which i'm pretty sure patrick is not um you have like the desire to kill everything 
right? You know, if you don't have, and maybe not even brand new gardeners, but if you don't have a lot of experience in nature, right? Um, and that could be under any different realm. It's this thing shouldn't be here. Think about spiders in your house, right? You know, right. And so we talked here and there about kind of beneficial insects. Like that's a term that a lot of people understand, but folks don't necessarily get it. I don't understand them all. Like, which are beneficial and why and which aren't. Um, we talk a lot about pests, obviously. Um, but I think as soon as you insert that word invasive, right? Like, what do we talk about with plants even? Invasive plants, yeah. like, oh, be careful around them. Um, so I think it's an interesting conversation. I do believe that you're right. It does kind of um, tie into, you know, doing anything anywhere. And sometimes I was going to add in your intro the trouble that it can create, right? Yeah. Are you making yeah, I mean, notes, notes for um, follow-up points? I see you writing. I'm making notes for a lot of things, yeah, so okay. don't don't you worry about what I'm doing. Okay. Thank you. Right. Is that your notebook? <laughs> or are you writing on the One back of the receipt? Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Everything goes in a notebook. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, it's such a delicate balance, and this really comes across... You know, we, you and I have joked before about how gardening is not just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And Patrick has obviously taken it into a lifestyle because he saw something and then he went and looked it up and then he learned about it and he was like, well, hold up. Now, you know, he's doing the whole process. You know, well, do I do something about it? Do I not do something about it? And I mean, look, everybody, I get it. Praying mantises are like one of the coolest things ever. I mean, Look, I watch a Kung Fu movie with my son. He's like, when are we going to see Praying Mantis style? And I'm like, in about five minutes, because here it comes. You know what I mean? Like, it's just across the board. Praying Mantises are awesome. But invasive means invasive. You know what I mean? And you can, if you guys are ever curious, you should definitely just like do a deep dive on invasive species introduced by humans to conquer another problem. Mm -hmm. And it's all over the world. There are horror stories about it. I mean, when I was young, I was blessed enough to take a trip to Ecuador and go to the Galapagos Islands. And I can't remember if it was goats. No, it was cats that was and goats, I believe, were both introduced to the islands. And it's like free game. Like they pay people to go out and hunt them. Mm-hmm, to get mm-hmm. rid of them because they just got to get them because they kill all the other life that's out there. And, I'm, and the reason why I bring that up is because, look, if I tell you that a cat's killing a penguin, you're like, oh, that's terrible. But if I tell you a praying mantis is killing, you know, a gnat that helps you like, oh, OK, you know, nobody sees that gnat. So yeah. and I don't know exactly what they do, but be very careful when you're introducing things into your gardens and what you read on the Internet, because Remember this, once you introduce it into your garden, it doesn't stay in your garden and it might hit your garden and then roll out right after it's done feeding. And then what have you got on your hands? Yeah. Just to clarify, I I got the impression that he found these in his garden to begin with. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying he introduced (laughs) them, but he was said that they are commonly sold. Yeah. As that. So, and there's a reason why, like, if you go, like when we go camping, um, we're not allowed to bring wood. Like when I lived in New England, especially because all the states were close together, you couldn't bring wood from Massachusetts into New Hampshire, mm-hmm. like firewood or anything. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't allow you to do it because there was the beetle that would get in and is killing the forest. So that's invasive species. You know, people take actions against that stuff. So, okay. Anyways, everybody, 
Patavia's giving me the signal to shut the hell up and roll on, so we're going to roll on with that one. But Patrick, good job. Good job thinking it through and uh, doing your research, man. I mean, I'd give you a high five if I could see you. Virtual high fives over the lawn care people. (laughs) Are they here? Yeah. I hate those people. (laughs) All right, everybody. So we will be right back and we are going to talk about what we should, if we could grow anything anywhere, anytime. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. One of the most common questions we get asked is, what do we use in our gardens as far as products? Well, we have an Amazon list below that if you go to, you can see all of the products that we use and like and recommend and you can buy them. And if you do, you support the podcast at no extra cost to you. So check out the link below for our Amazon store and help support the podcast and enjoy your gardens. All right, Batavia, can you grow anything, anytime, anywhere? I don't want to say that anymore, so we're just going to leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like you need to say it at least five or six more times to make it official. It probably um, will. My immediate reaction is no, but the new and improved Batavia is going to say um, potentially. Well, <laughs> How non-committal is can, that? Yeah, really. I asked you, can you? But I think the real question is, should you? That is the real question. Um, That's the operative word, should. I think that... Um, I think, again, non-committal within reason. I think that there are a great example is there are tropical plants that um, just will fight against me if I try to grow them in my garden. And no, I don't have an example off the top of my head. Right. But I think in those instances, we need to be satisfied with there are so many things that are absolutely available to grow in my area and insert yourself in this example um, and be happy about those. Right. Push the limits. But like, don't Damn, expect to be able to do You're not supposed to wrap anything. up the episode hmm? right away. You're not supposed to wrap up the episode yeah, no, right I was, away. I, I had mean... the feeling of that as I was saying it. But no, you, seriously, you didn't. So. The reason why we talk about this, and Patavia and I have actually, we've talked about this for a long time, mm-hmm. privately, and um, I know some of you guys are like, I wish I could hear their conversations privately, and let me tell you, you don't want to, but... No, you need an intermission, <laughs> you need, like, subtitles, Yeah, um, you need hydration breaks. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, but the reason is, you know, my grandfather... God love him, rest his soul. He grew five or six different flowers. You know, he grew his snapdragons. He grew his petunias, geraniums, mm-hmm. you know. And then and then if you switch over, I don't know all of the flowers he grew, but then you switch over to the, you know, food side. He grew your cherry tomato. He grew... You know, I think it was something like your, I don't even know what tomato, just some big red tomato, Mm -hmm. green beans. And that was really it. It wasn't like, I got this tie-dye tomato Mm -hmm. and this, you know, he didn't have any of that. And it was because it wasn't offered. I mean, whatever you didn't get in your area is what you didn't get. Yeah. So we don't have that option anymore. We can get anything we want from anywhere. 
So I think it causes confusion inside of the garden space is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, so let me. So my great aunt who I've talked to in the last couple of years about something similar to this and she grew up um, and she's my grandfather's um, sister. So they grew up in the South in Mississippi in particular. Um, And they grew up in a time. So this is the 40s, 50s. Right. Mm -hmm. So they grew up in a time where they and we've talked about this before. They grew what they ate, period. And so they weren't just growing these couple of things, but they grew their farm was in an area that had so many options as far as what they could grow. And and I'm using grow, but I also mean like raise as in like, you know, um, pigs and chickens and and all of that stuff. Right. Um, And so. That is, and I think those things and the spaces that, you know, people are still in the South and those warmer climates, they have a lot of options still, right? I think when you talk about kind of your home gardener, which when you probably remember your grandfather, he was more of that. I'm sure he comes from a generation as well that, you know, again, raised and and had a lot in their gardens because, again, that's what they ate. Right. So interestingly enough, he was not really. His, yeah, he was not. So, um, you know, well, I mean, he was he came over or his mom came over here from Norway mm-hmm. and they lived in New York City. Mm-hmm. And then he went to a military school. And then from there on, he uh, he went to fight in the war, mm-hmm. and he didn't get into gardening until he was fifties, maybe yeah, forties, yeah. you know, fifties or maybe even sixties. I think it was really late in life. But when he got it, he got into it hard. Yeah. And I mean, we found like after he died, we found letters that he kept from my great grandmother, I believe, where he was. Ask or he was, you know, because people wrote letters, Mm -hmm. you know, pen pals, and he was telling her that he had just gotten some light so he could start his flower seeds for the year. And he was really excited and he had no idea how to do it. And so he was going to go up to the college and ask the professors to learn because there was no Internet. The, the the I don't even think the library had anything in there, and that's how he did it. So he would go around and he would talk to people, and so that was like his thing, you know, because he couldn't find the, there was no Lowe's or anything to to buy seedlings. You had to start them from seed. Don't cry, Batavia. <laughs> See just, well enough. You know, <laughs> oh, I just can't take it. Um, so it's actually pretty cool because these are again grandparents with, and, and clearly I mistimed them because they're back. The lawn care people. I think they added another um, house to their route. So it's kind of right. double the time that they're here. But anywho, um, apologies for those that hear that in the background. Uh, just consider it my theme music. I'm going to adopt it as such. Uh, yeah. But it's pretty cool that we have like grandparents that have two different. And I know this is just one set of grandparents, right? That have two totally different experiences. I bring up my grandparents. I would say my grandfather's and my great aunt's experience, they were a big family. So it was a bunch of kids or whatever, um, because a lot of what they learned was from their parents. Right. Yep. And so, I mean, that was lost on a generation like my mom and like her. It was lost on that generation. Um, but what you knew was based on what you learned in that moment. So thinking about like, that's why I get a lot of feedback, like, wait a minute, you're growing that where? 
Right. So they are thinking about times where they had a farm in the South and you ha- you needed to have this kind of heat to grow insert vegetable. Right. You know, and so for me, it's kind of like if I ask my great aunt now, she'd say, absolutely not. No, you can't grow anything anytime, anywhere. Should you? No, you shouldn't. You know, right. and that just comes from her experience and kind of knowing what you'd grow in the South versus what you grow in the North, if anything at all. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there's. So for me, like, for instance, over the weekend, I remodeled my front garden in my front of my house, which is, I mean, dude, I told my wife, I was like, we got to do this. Mm-hmm. Like people ask me what I do. And I'm like, I'm, I'm you know, run podcasts and do YouTube and stuff for gardening. They're like, really? And they look <laughs> at the front of my house and like, for real? And it's just been put off yeah. on the back yeah, burner. Yeah. You know, I do things in sections, but we did it and. We ended up going more along the lines of like a tropical vibe. Mm-hmm. So it was really tricky, though, because as we're going through and we're getting stuff, I look at the tags. I'm like, hold up. And so I pull out my phone and I start searching and I'm like, well, this isn't perennial here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I can get it. But or if it is Prince, like on the edge of the zone, yeah. so it might be kind of hard to keep alive. And these places are selling it to us like they're total perennials. Mm-hmm. And that's a real issue because what if I didn't know what I was doing? Which many and people don't. And I went don't. in there mm-hmm. and many people don't. And that's okay. And then first of all, well, let me rephrase that. I don't know exactly what I'm doing when it comes to that kind of gardening. Mm-hmm. But I do know enough about plants and stuff that know that there are limits. But let's say I went in there and I bought all this stuff at full price. First of all, I got a hell of a discount because of the time of year. But nicely done. Mm-hmm. Nicely done. But if I went in there at full price, spend, you know, four, five, six hundred bucks. And then it all dies in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that's crushing to somebody. And I think it's deplorable that these places label these things like that because that's part of it, though, because they can get it anytime, anywhere. Maybe we should. And I don't think that's the case. You know, I think you really need to know what you're doing when you're going to do these things. Yeah. So a couple of notes here. Um, You talked about like the cherry tomato, the like slicer type tomato and a few things that your grandfather Grew so my grandmother. So the grandfather I'm referring to. I'm I'm basically only going to talk about one set of grandparents. If you ever hear me talk about grandparents, right? right. So my grandmother, um, she I can remember over and over. And by the time I got into flowers, when I used to go with her, like always, only ever bringing petunias home, petunias and geraniums. Like you know, if my the grandfather classics. went and picked flowers up for her. That's what he'd bring back when I would yep. go like, oh, mom, I, I called her mama. Right. So, oh, mama, do you want to go to this nursery with me? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And so she'd get I mean, and she was very still able at that time. So she'd get her. I mean, this is a nursery that had all kinds of flowers. Right. And I'm looking at all these kinds of flowers. And she would again, same two different colors. But same two types. And so I wonder if there's a bit of like just being set in your ways, like this is the thing you like and this is the thing you want. But then mm-hmm. there's also a bit of kind of knowing better and you do better. Right. So you you know that this really isn't meant to be here. And you know that you can go into a store and they could want to sell you something that really isn't meant to be grown here. Right. right? Um, so kind of staying with your t- tried and true. And I have to assume that, you know, she really liked uh, petunias, right? Um, I grow them because she liked them. Geraniums, I just can't get down with. Um, but I have petunias in my garden basically for her. Um, but then I look at the other piece of that, like 
how much responsibility does the buyer have when you go back to you're looking at these flowers and they're labeled perennial and you're saying, let me check the interweb and the interweb says, sure, it's perennial, but not in my zone. Like, is that your responsibility or are you holding the uh, store owner, you know, whatever I'm this big box store or this nursery, whichever way, are they responsible for putting things on the shelf that are accurate for their area? Uh, is that a trick question? No, it's not a trick question. So I don't spend 40 bucks for a bush to have to go in there and research shit on, on site. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and say that like, yeah, you're responsible to be like, this will not grow in your area. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you need to have a big blaring sign, but like, like I'm in zone 8A. And so first of all, the no place says 8A, 8B. Mm-hmm. It's just eight or nothing. But, you know, if it says it grow to zone nine and you look it up on, and if I go to look it up on the internet and like 10 other places say zone nine and one place says zone eight, like somebody is doing some, some fuckery around here. You know what I mean? Like there's something going on because that stuff is really expensive. And it happened to me a couple of times where I picked it up and I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Like I'd like to have this. And as I looked at, because I've learned about this place too, like I love this place, but I've learned mm-hmm. that like some of the stuff's not totally honest. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, okay. You start seeing things. It's like, you know, um, we talked about, what was it? Begonias. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they said, plant it in full shade. Yeah. Which is, I, I've and, actually killed more begonias and sun than I've killed anything else. No, I'm sorry. It said full sun. You told me to put it in, in part shade. Yeah. And that's the and reason so why I told you I that. Yep. Right. And so I've been trying to grow coral bells, for instance, for three years now, and they just look like crap. I go look them up because they were on sales. Like, Let me replace them. Full sun to part sun. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and I'm talking about multiple websites are saying this, but the tag that this place has on it says full shade to part shade so you see there's an issue going on here and i don't think it's necessarily like it's comes from the company that sold them the plant because you know they're not all they're not starting them all from seed so they're outsourced so it's kind of like this weird thing but it's on us to be like we need to know what's going on and when you go to plant a vegetable, like I remember when my grandfather, before he died, he was actually, he was sick and we were talking, God help him. He, he learned how to Skype and he <gasps> would get so mad Skyping. It was like a big deal, but every week we Skyped and he, every day, time he'd be like, so what's going on in the garden? What are you growing? And I was like, well, I have a, I think I was growing something like purple beans that year mm-hmm. or something. He was like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I was like, well, they're purple. And he's like, but they're green beans, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, for what? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm sure they're pretty, but that's dumb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's a well-educated man. Yeah. He's just like, that's dumb. And so my granny, who was not related to him, they're separate grandparents. Mm-hmm. She lived off of what they ate. And she's the same way. She's like, I'm like, oh, I got this green turnip and she's like i don't care she's like i just want to turn up yeah. she's like, i don't care what it looks yeah. like like i'm just trying to get that food you know what i mean yep. yeah I so think there's it, a i think that absolutely ties back though to like what just is logical so for in this story your grandfather says like that's just not logical like why bother growing a purple right. why what seems like go out of your way to grow a purple 
green bean and, and just instead grow a green bean, right? So that's just a logical person is what he's saying, right? And then your granny is like, listen, I'm not all up for that frou-frou stuff. Like I'm just, you know, I'm not growing things for it to be aesthetically pleasing. Like I just want the food, right? Right. Um, which I think is probably the space food. When it comes to food, that's the same space that both my grandparents come from as well. They both pass on as well. Um, but like I can, he- I hear their voices when I plant some things, like when I'm trying to grow some things. And if I don't hear their voice, when I talk to my great aunt, I can hear, I can actually hear her like, uh, she wants to say, oh yeah, poor thing. Like, okay, all right, we'll let you get past yep. this, right? Like um, melons growing them here. She's like, I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, it wasn't fine, you know, but she's, yeah. you know, just trying to, um, uh, she's just trying to be nice, right? Uh, but I think, so I'm going to go back and I'm going to answer the question. So in a fair world, in a world that is fair, I do not want a store owner to have a vegetable labeled perennial in Illinois if it's not perennial to Illinois in the zones that Illinois commonly covers, right? You mean a plant, not a vegetable? A vegetable plant is what I mean. Okay, so you're you're saying vegetable oh, plant. Oh, I, I, no, so the story is around flowers. Either way, right? So right. if it's not going to come back is the way that, you know, we kind of casually talk about it here. Is it going to come back? Like, I don't want them to label it such if it's not going to come back. Right. I'm basically wanting a guarantee. But the setup is we don't live in a fair world. Right. So um, if you get enough complaints, that the store is not going to carry that going forward. But that shouldn't right. be the case. Um, I honestly I'm going to think and I've been planting perennials flowers for a bunch of years, not initially in my garden, but for a bunch of years. And so I'm going to say early on, I didn't search online to check if my this plant that I'm looking at in the store is going to do well in my zone because I don't even know if I knew about zones then like go back seven or eight years right it said perennial I assume it's going to come back the second year do I notice that some of them came back and some of them really struggled yeah you know do I chalk it up to I'm going to go and fight the man at that store now you know I just accept it as a lesson learned now as we go forward I think I just have like I'm familiar with some of these flowers and I kind of know or if I'm not I do search not to see if it's going to come back but just in general and I'll find things like that Um, that's how I did it I ended up buying a couple and then nothing happened I'm like what the hell's going on and then I f- I started to figure it out I put it piece because I'm like oh it says it can't get below 40 and I'm like well, shit, we get way yeah. below that so now some of the tags say things like that they may not say zones and um specifically but they do talk temperatures um right. so again they're trying to give you now now 10 years ago probably not so much but they're trying to give you a little bit more information on that little bitty tag um and just as a side note And it's hella hard to keep up with this, but a lot of the big box stores, the hardware stores, those plants have like a one year return policy. Um, Not all, but some, right? And the trouble though is you really need to save the container and the tag from a year ago. Be able to track back and say, okay, yeah, this one didn't come back. Let me put it back in the container and take it back to the store. And the reality is these companies know that. They know you're not going to go through that trouble. Right. Um, some of your smaller nurseries, depending on the relationship you have with them, you know, if I bought a three hundred dollar tree to put in the ground, you damn right. I keep yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, that, you know, I mean, there's some stuff I yeah. would. But, you know, and plus I'm buying everything on discount. So that warranty is out the yeah. window. Yeah. 
I was going to say, though, um, your smaller um, plant stores and nurseries and things, they may, again, some, nothing beats a failure, but a try. If you have well, some trouble with something, they may honor it. May. So let's put it into vegetables then. Because, you know, over the years, like I grow sweet potatoes. I love growing sweet potatoes. And you grow sweet potatoes. Yeah, I do. How are the sweet potatoes working out for you? I still haven't dug them up as of the recording of this episode. Okay, so, but you, you do you have a feeling of how they're going to do this year? There is at least one sweet potato in the container and at least one sweet potato in the raised bed because I've touched it. <laughs> okay, so you're, you're going to get a sweet potato, but and same with your white potatoes, right? You've, you've harvested them. Have you had good harvest off those? Not this year, but I have. So to the Purple Thumb Gardener, who we've confirmed was the last person that was disappointed in my talk around white potatoes. And uh, I'm a fan of her. And so that means I don't want to disappoint her. And so with that in mind, I am recommitting to white potatoes. Okay, so you're going to do it. So the, the reason why I bring it up is because sweet potatoes are known to be a crop for the South. Mm -hmm. They're known for that. Mm -hmm. And when I go to order my sweet potato slips... Yep. They take, and remember what I just said, I go to order my sweet potato mm -hmm. slips, which hopefully I won't do this year, but that's a different story. They, they will not ship them until a certain time. Okay. That time happens to be 30 days later than I can get sweet potatoes in the ground here. So I could be getting more sweet potatoes, but they will not give them to me beforehand. And then same with like if you order bulbs and stuff like that, a lot of times that you don't get them until a certain date. And so like, I think that's a good thing, but I also think it's a bad thing because I'm telling you that like when my frost date's up, my frost date is up. Mm -hmm. It's time to plant mm -hmm. and they're not allowing me to do so. So, but then you have people like, and I'm not saying you in general, and I know there's going to be somebody in canada that can grow sweet potatoes and i get it but generally speaking it's very difficult to get sweet potatoes to go full term in these colder places should they be sending them to you like you're willing to pay for it you yeah, know what i mean it's such a good ex uh, example and when i was searching out uh, the year before last or last year when i was searching out sweet potato slips um and every website every company doesn't do this and you're right there. Sweet potatoes, there are a few other things. But let's stick with sweet potatoes. For those companies that basically say, they're like, enter your zip code. And they're like, your earliest ship date is X. They're like, we, we're not effing around. We're not sending them to you earlier. But you know why, right? They've yeah. had far too many times where they, at, when they weren't doing that, and they were shipping them. And then they get, I'm sure, complaints that said, my sweet potatoes died. My slips died, right? And then they look and they figure out this person is in Alaska trying to plant sweet potatoes in, you know, March or something, right? So I think it's them protecting their company, but also protecting the gardener. Um, and there's no way when we come back to the access that people have, there's no way that... Um, you're not going to have people asking for a thing that they shouldn't ask for when they're asking for it. Right. right. That's, I mean, that basically is the stilling of the show. Like that's fast forwarding to the end. Um, it probably happened enough where people took these steps to say, we're not even going to be responsible for this. Cause we're not even going to give it to you until, you know? Right. So I live in North Carolina mm -hmm. and palm trees are really big around here. Okay. 
So palm trees naturally grow. The farthest north they go is South Carolina. Okay. Now, not far from the South Carolina border, but still, that's the farthest they go. People will pay. It's it's $200 for a palm tree. And there's people like in my neighborhood, they got 10 palm trees. Right. Wow. So one year we got, we basically maxed out our zone low temperature. Mm-hmm. Every single palm tree in the area died. Every single one. South Carolina did the same thing, and every single palm tree lived. Every single one. Lived? Now, every single... Lived mm-hmm. in South Carolina, where they naturally mm-hmm. occur. So then you think... Of, and So I, I was talking to my wife about it, and I was like, look at all these fools paid all this money for this stuff ain't supposed to be here. Because we joke about it all the time, because I'm like, you're going to be sorry. Mm-hmm. There, When I lived in Plymouth, Massachusetts... There was a palm tree in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Negative seven. Mm-hmm. That bitch lived every year, but they wrapped it in about 50 pounds of saran wrap every year. Uh-huh. They had Christmas lights around it, which they thought was being decorative, but it was really a smart move because it actually helped the keep the tree yeah. warm. So it was it was very interesting to see, but it just never really grew right, you know? So these are all examples. And I remember when I was a kid, I remember my grandfather took me to go get my hair cut. And uh, he made he every summer he made me buzz my hair and I hated it. And the um, the barber was losing his mind and kind of cut the back of my ear. Oh, I remember that clearly. So and then we would go from there. We would go to the garden, <clears throat> and I was young. I didn't really work in the garden and all, but I remember him telling me one thing. He said that he was growing something. He I don't remember what it was, but he was like, "It's a challenge." But when it comes to food, I don't want a challenge. I want it to be as easy as possible so I can get as much as I can. So I can give more to people. That's what he told me. So then I think about my seeds that I have here now. And I'm like, some of this stuff is difficult. Like, why do I even want to grow it? You know, why should I just grow the easy stuff and be happy with it? You know? Yeah, that one's tough. I, um... So first, I'm trying I to calculate. I can hear some mouths opening out there like, oh, shit. Yeah. Because he to- was right, you know. I was trying to calculate the time when we had the longer break waiting for the lawn care people. So I, my timing is all off on how long we've yeah. actually been in this episode. So I'm going to leave that to you to work out. Um, I got it. But it's like you need a thing. A lot of people need a thing. Right. Um, and in my case, gardening is my thing. And so gardening has remained my thing because a part of my experience is trying different things think about if i was like your your grandfather and i only grew those things you know how much of that food i could have you know how successful i'd be at growing cherry tomatoes Mm -hmm. a slicer and some some beans was other thing i think you know and so i can appreciate that but i can also appreciate that i am entering into a realm where um there's some unknowns Right. So I'm pushing the envelope. Should I grow insert melons? Should I grow insert sweet potatoes? It's not the ideal growing conditions in Chicago in zone six, period and point blank. Right. You know, should I grow a palm tree? I bet I could get, you know, a palm out of a tree. I don't know how that goes. Uh, But but the reality is I know what I'm walking into. Right. And it's I have great pause because it's that weird relationship of I am absolutely walking to every season, the potential of disappointment. And there is absolutely an easier road that still would feed me. You know, that's so, I mean, yeah, 
So wait, one more more comment. And then it ties back to our August challenge and how you and I felt about coming out of that August challenge. Like, I feel like that whole um, brain exploding, head exploding emoji right now. Yeah. So we're no longer friends because (laughs) you're just you're you're making it hard. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because I was going to say, like. I was like debating in my head, like, you know what? Next year, I'm going to have an easy garden. I'm just going to try and plant like easy crops. and I'm going to get a lot. Of, and then you had to bring up the damn challenge. And I'm like, now I've got to do it, you know, because if you grow that challenging stuff, does that make you a better gardener or more of a gardener if you're into status? Damn, dude. Like, I, this is not where I thought this episode would go. I'm so <laughs> my head is so boggled. I and knew I'm it would go so this way. Good at compartmentalizing things and like slicing and dicing things, not just food, but um, so I'm struggling for the same reasons you described. So I was and coming in, it's kind of making decisions in the moment, right? We talk a lot right. about make decisions about your garden while you can see your garden. There's a downside to that because there's still some emotion attached to it while you're in that moment, right? Yeah, and that could cut both ways. So I was absolutely coming out of the challenge looking and saying, I'm going to diversify things even further going into 2022, which would include probably borderline things that maybe I shouldn't grow. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was going to push that envelope. Then I had like this, you know, shitty potato harvest. Right. And then I'm just like, you know what, let's pull it back. You've had years of like a few years where you've challenged yourself, tried these different things. Let's go for consistency next year. And then I was looking at um, some things that I was preserving and I was right back to this is even before this episode, right back to, you know what? Go ahead, push yourself a little bit more and under the guise of gaining the experience of growing a thing. But am I really gaining experience growing melons as an example and while I'm growing them in Chicago? Would my experience growing them in Florida or California be completely different? Can I transfer what I've learned from growing them in Chicago to that space? Like, is it really doing me some good? Am I a better gardener? Because I understand how yeah. I grow melons and well, shit. Are you? I don't know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Where are those uh, lawn care people, man? <laughs> yeah, they need to crank up the mower. I mean, because, and I mean, think about what you grow. And I mean, you know, take take your melons out of it. Mm-hmm. Just take your melons out of it. And let's look at tomatoes, for instance, mm-hmm. you know. So this year, I grew um, pink brandywine tomatoes. I, I start, not, let me rephrase that. I started pink brandywine tomatoes, mm-hmm. about 50 seedlings worth. And I was all about it. I didn't even know much about them, but I had the seeds and I was like, cool, I'm going to grow these. And so, you know, every time I grow something, I look up what each variety is and if there's any kind of nuances behind it. And the one thing I read over and over and over was notoriously difficult to get a good harvest off Mm -hmm. of. Notoriously difficult, you know, just the whole plant apparently. And I know there's people out there that have cracked the code. They know how to do it. And I mean, that's great. So I thought, well, all right, I'm just going to sell them then and get rid of them. Like, I'm not even going to try mm-hmm. because it's just I'm not want to set myself up for disappointment. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then this year, like my tomatoes. I So at the same time, I was also growing the orange banana tomatoes that I grew. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, well, let me go ahead and plant these and plant them, loved them, but they got so big that it caused problems. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it just kind of really opened my eyes to a lot of different issues that can arise in the garden and really solidified what we're talking about here is like, you know, some of these things are really nice and they're really cool, but it's really difficult and it adds a, a level of complexity that I don't really want to have to deal with in my garden. Like I'm more worried about being successful and to me, each person is different, but to me, successful is putting food on the table. Yeah. It's not getting a pretty Instagram picture. It's not putting out this crazy viral YouTube video because I grew a hundred pound melon. Mm-hmm. It's just about me putting food on the table when it's all said and done. So, Anything else is a bonus. And ditto. So I, although I have some great Instagram pictures, but uh, yeah, check me, me out too, but Be Better Garden. <laughs> 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 Where's the voiceover? Yeah. Um, the I was canning this weekend, the thing when I mentioned like, and so then I changed my mind about what I want to do next year. Habanada. H-A-B-A-N-A-D-A. It's a sweet pepper. And it is a take on the habanero pepper, which is super hot. And so this is, it's said to be like the flavor of a habanada without the heat. And I've Habanero actually grown some heat. peppers that are supposed to be a mal version, and that's bullshit. Like it's it's like I can taste the heat, you know, once I yeah. cut, or I'm just irresponsible when it comes to tagging, which is really really possible. And I think right. it's a uh, a uh, tame version of the pepper, and it's not. But anywho, this habanada was the best flavored pepper that I've had this season. And so in that moment, I was like, this is what's going through my head because I was here by myself. I was saying to myself, if you go through the let's go with the easy garden, you wouldn't have included a habanada in there. And look at what you've missed out on. Right. You know, and it's not about wanting all the things. But now I'm like, oh, I had already decided I probably wasn't going to grow so many snack peppers, smaller bite sized peppers. Um, And this is a pretty small pepper. Um, And now I'm saying instead of growing these smaller bite sized peppers that taste just like any other pepper, I'm going to grow more of these. And that's just the way I'm wired. Like, oh, this is good. Now I want more of them. Right. Um, But I say that to say, on one hand, if I take the easy road and grow a cherry tomato, a slicer and some beans, I don't have the experience of the habanada. And a part of the reason why I grow is because I'm chasing the food that I wouldn't normally find. Still, I want that food on my table. Right. You know, and I just, ah, I don't know. man. And I, so I agree with you, especially on the peppers. I agree with you because there are different, so wide range of different flavors mm-hmm. and, and sizes that you can get, you know, and I mean, I know that tomatoes can have a different flavor, but let's be honest. They're all just about the same. They're pretty close. Boo. I mean, am I right or am I right? You're wrong. And I also believe that you as a gardener influence tomatoes more as you're growing them. And in turn, tomatoes can start to taste the same. So I've had a bunch of tomatoes in my life and they all like, again, have similar flavor. Not, you know, I haven't except for like your husk tomato or your ground cherry really stands out to me. But generally speaking... But you go into the peppers, mm-hmm. 
there's wide range of flavors. Yeah. I mean, from hot to sweet to, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, I get that. And I, I think that what's important is that, <clears throat> you know, I think everybody should go through a phase where they test out different tomatoes. But once you find something, mm-hmm. stick with it. You know, like I found a pepper this year that I want to stick with. Yeah. You know, I grew three different types of peppers and one of them, I'm, it's probably going to be a staple in my garden from here on out. Yeah. You know, and I might test a couple other things here and there, but I will always have that flavor. I'll look forward to it. You know, next year, the one I'm going to try is a little bite sized peppers. Mm-hmm. You know, they look like a cherry tomato, but they're a pepper. I want to try those and see what they're like. Yeah. I mean, I think the so uh, it's, it's it's connected. I still think perhaps the way what's to connected. Feed, hmm? What's connected? What I'm about to say. Oh, okay. Okay. So I still think the, like, if this was a script, it would be written in parentheses. She's going to connect these next two points, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so if, if I focus on my desire to try new things, it's just like going to restaurants. Do you go to the restaurant and order the same thing every time? Or do you try something new on the menu? I mean, that, you definitely put people in columns based on something like that. So well, what do you do for me? Yeah, it depends on the do? restaurant. For me, most times I'm going to try the thing outside of if I'm just ordering a burger and fries, but I'm going to try the thing that I can't make at home easily or I don't make well at home. Right. Um, right. So, or if I'm super duper hungry, I'm going with like what I know for sure is going to be good. Um, but I think it may fall back to, you know, should I grow any and everything the answer for me is no but i kind of look at it across my garden seasons and i get a chance to dabble at dabble in a bunch of different things i do absolutely want to grow the things that have had some success somewhere in someone's garden that's near me that's that's one of the things i wouldn't have ever grown melons in chicago if i hadn't seen someone in a like zone in zone six grow melons, right? Like I just wouldn't have come up with that because I don't want to go out and try to do something that there's been no evidence of success before. Right. You know, and so tying back to the, it may still depend on you have this single bed to play with and the rest of the garden is more about that consistency. You're going to now include the habanada pepper because you know that you enjoy it. Um, It's something to be said about the frustration and the additional work that's created around doing the extra, pushing the envelope, growing the thing that may not be you know, ideal in your area, that flower that you mentioned at the top of the show. I bet if you dug that flower up, (laughs) tying back to two weeks ago and overwintering and, you know, put it into your shed. I bet that you can put that thing back in the, the earth in the spring and it'd grow again. Probably could, but ask me if I'm going to do that. No, of course not. You know. Hell no. You have to listen to that episode and know my true feelings about that, but <laughs> too much work. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, I think, I mean, people have probably done that for a long time. You know, I'm sure people have overwintered stuff like that for a long time. But again, it was probably like, Hey, I knew this guy who knew this guy who knew this guy that got me this plant. You know, it wasn't widespread where you could just go on the internet and be like, you know what? I'm going to grow this carrot from India, Mm -hmm. you know, which there is a company that sells carrots from India. Surprise, surprise. They don't grow very well (laughs) because they're meant to grow Mm -hmm. in these hot environments, you know, or whatever 
climate that that seed is accustomed to. And we get them and we look at a picture and our garden hearts get envious <laughs> and curious all at the same time. And so then we get determined to grow something that it's not going to happen. And that's just it's it's a tough it's a tough road because it leaves you susceptible to just be, you know, like you said in the beginning, disappointment. Mm. You know, you're walking a fine line between disappointment where if we planted stuff, the old standbys, as I call them, you know, how many people have rose bushes? Yeah. Now, now go back in the day. How many people had rose bushes? Everybody had a damn rose bush. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, that's just one out of many examples. So do you believe that, because a lot of this really kind of goes down to access and desire, right? Um, So do you believe that just because we can, we should? And so two-part question. And without the internet, so that's just, it's, it's done. It's done tomorrow. Without the internet, how many people would have these versatile gardens well i believe there's a more availability of seeds in general locally Mm -hmm. for people now like i mean if you go to like your local big box store and you see like fairy more seeds or burpee or something Mm -hmm. i mean dude they got a lot of seeds you know what i mean they got like four different kinds of everything so i think that there would be still plenty diverse and i also think that there would be much happier sustained gardeners out there you know, I think it would be a tough shock at first to not be able to get that, you know, what is um, one of the big social media favorites of the year, uh, Little Gem Corn. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'd be all right growing some yellow corn. I was, you know? um, I remember my buddy that wanted like the four, it's going to get larger and larger every time, like the four foot, five foot, six foot tall bed, raised bed. <laughs> yeah. right? he, didn't, he didn't even grow a garden this year. You know, life happens, right? Um, I can remember hearing or seeing the disappointment when he'd suggest insert, well, can I grow this? And then I give him like some of the reasons why. Well, yeah, but you have to like avocado tree was a big one, something that you eat a lot of. Right. And they're hella expensive. And he's like, but I can't, you know. And so it's one of those things where on one hand, having access to so many things in life makes you feel void when you can't do a certain thing, right? It Mm -hmm. it basically inspires you to try to do a thing because we have so much available to us. And then it leads to disappointment when it's like, but no, you've pushed the envelope too, too much. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about a lot of uncontrollables in certain nature. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, and that's the big thing is like, let's say you have a greenhouse. Like, let's say he put up a huge greenhouse mm-hmm. and you're like, he's going to climate control it mm-hmm. and he's going to grow his avocado tree. What happens when the power goes out? Yeah, man. That's done. You know, everything is very delicate. Yeah. We live in a very delicate society that people don't realize all of these creature comforts we have. Like it takes one windstorm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. one snowstorm in Chicago, which happens a lot. Mm-hmm. And that power goes off overnight while he's asleep. Yep. And the thermostat doesn't kick in. Bye bye, you know, avocado tree. Frozen lens. Yep. And I mean, that's just, that's part of something that you have to consider as well when you're, you know, if you're really going to trick the game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that would be, that would lead me into like bending the rules a little bit because if you had it in a greenhouse and it was heated, but it could drop down. Like, you know, it's like planting kale in the middle of winter. Yeah. 
for me. Like you're bending the rules a little bit, but it's still very much so in the realm of possibility. So would you consider yourself a garden purist? At heart, maybe. But I mean, you know, the more, the longer and longer I garden and the older I get, which I'm not that old. I know I look older than I am, but I think that I will be a lot more like my grandfather said and just grow easy so you can get a lot. Yeah. And I really would like to do that. You know, if I just did a Google search and like, what's the easiest tomato to grow? And then that's what I bought. I think that we would be, you know, I think this year we're going to grow um, the homesteader tomato. It has. And that's. Um, well, before I so put a pin in. Um, a good friend of mine who I lost recently, his father, same as your grandfather, same few things every year in his garden. And every year I'd see pictures and it's like, gosh, that's a garden, right? You know, was he unhappy? No, absolutely not. I was a great, had great joy from it. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to put a pin in it. I'll talk about it now. Um, and <laughs> in my mind, and you and I haven't talked about this that much, but in my mind, a part of it too is, you know, you get a bit older you want things to be more simple. Not everyone, but a lot of people do. And I totally envision myself that way. You think I'm going to be hauling all of this crap back and forth and, you know, like manning six different seed stations when I'm like 70? No. You know, I'm going to listen. I got enough tomatoes to get me through this tomato harvest or better yet. It's like, you know what? I don't need tomato sauce when it's not in December or January. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like I'm growing them because I can cut a fresh tomato and put it on a sandwich. Right. I'm going to um, put David's ass to work. That's my, my, my goal. There's your plan B. Right. Um, <laughs> but I say that a part, I remember I said, you know, everyone needs to have a thing. So gardening clearly is my thing, but there are also mm-hmm. certain plants that are a part of that thing too, right? Like there are general vegetables that I want to grow in my garden every year, but I've not right. married to particular varieties and I'm on a search for, I've said this before, I'm on a search for like, you know, these are my top tomatoes. And I have to go through some, you know, frogs before I get to the prince of a tomato. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I had someone recommend um, black Cherokee last year. Ugh, to me. I don't like those. And so I and I love the look of it. I could imagine like the smokiness. I think it's the way it's described and the taste of it. And they were beautiful. Right. So I grew them, bought the seeds. You know, started the plants inside, transplanted a single plant outside. Um, And I loved it also because not a squirrel bothered them. And I think, you know, I don't even know about my squirrels, right? You hear me, my squirrels. Um, But I could count on maybe two hands, maybe 10 tomatoes came in the first flush. And then the plant almost went dormant. Then the second flush of tomatoes came and basically every single one of them ended up cracking. And so now I'm basic and the and the gardener, she's such a nice lady and she was so apologetic. I'm like, no, I mean, she has great luck with them in her garden and I didn't have that great of luck with them in mine. And so I say that to say, am I going to grow black Cherokee next year? No. Will I grow it again in the future? Maybe, you know, um, it, it's I'm still on the search and I can't cross a thing off until I try it. And I can't find the habanada pepper until I try it. So, right. So, real quickly before we go to the recipe of the day, um, what are some staples in your garden now that you've found over time? 
like the varieties. Um, and I'm and it's not, okay if you don't have a lot. I'm not a garden purist. I'll answer my question. I, I, I think maybe I want to be, but my curiosity is far too strong for that. Um, I think a general, like the Blue Lake bush bean, if I'm growing a bush mm-hmm. bean, I think that's a pretty, pretty much of a staple. Um, I don't want to do it every year, but I find my way to either a big boy or like your classic beef steak. One of those two make it into my garden every year. Um, or at least every other year, early girl, just because I just love the idea of getting an earlier tomato and they aren't even the best tasting. So that's one, um, I, there's a na- I think it's, well, there are a bunch of different varieties that are curly kale, you know, but I'm just going to say generally curly kale and I'm going to end because that's, I don't know, maybe there's a round number that I'm ending with, you know, the last one is going to be Georgia collards yeah. in Illinois. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, if you like, if you eat collards and you don't say Georgia collards, and how dare you? But um, yeah, and I mean, for me, it's like Beauregard sweet potatoes, you know, lipstick peppers, Roma tomatoes. Still searching for that slicer, mm-hmm. you know. After this year, the purple green beans I grew, pretty happy with those. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably keep those. Um, just your standard snow peas, mm-hmm. you know. I've grown the same. From the same $2 seed pack for 10 years now. Like, I just keep saving yeah. seeds every year. So, I don't even know what they are at this point. I'm, I might as well just rename them. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, different, like, Paris Island lettuce, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just every year, it's the same thing. Like, I know when I go to get them, like, this is what I'm going to grow. And there's peace that comes across me because there's no thought about it. There's no worries about it. It's just get the seed and be done. And Georgia collards. Sorry. <laughs> so we've all figured out what, you know, we're, we're figuring out our, our staples in our gardens. Yeah. And that's important. And I mean, I think you go through trial and error, but I don't think my final answer to the question in the beginning of the show is I do not think that we should be perusing the internet, trying to find the random exotic plants to put into our gardens unless you are very experienced in different, you know, especially with flowers. But if you just keep it to vegetables, like if, unless you're very experienced in like calculating different, you know, grow times and sunlight requirements and all that stuff, because otherwise you could set yourself up for failure. And my version of that is I'm okay with it. As long as you know what you're getting into. Meaning, yeah. like, it could take a couple of turns at the wheel, a couple of seasons to get that thing right. Yeah. So, me for this is corn. Mm-hmm. Next year will be my second season growing corn. So, we'll see. But it's time for Batavia to give us the recipe of the day. A lot of y'all asked, how can you help support the Backyard Gardens podcast? Well, we have been busy and we have created a t-shirt line just for the gardener. To visit our shop, go to the link in the show notes and check out the t-shirts and other goodies we have. Now, these are super special t-shirts designed just for the gardener. So enjoy. Thank you for supporting the Backyard Gardens podcast. And we'll see you guys after the harvest. All right, we're doing uh, fried cabbage. We're going to have two versions of this recipe. One's going to be the way that I probably would cook it, and then one's going to be a vegetarian way. 
And I'm just going to make the adjustments as we go along. So you're going to start off with a small to medium sized cabbage. And I'm talking about your general white cabbage. You could use like a red cabbage or something for this, but let's go with a white cabbage. Um, you're going to, for the meat lover version, you're going to have some bacon, about six strips of bacon. Uh, for the vegetarian version, we're going to use garlic instead, right? Um, we are, you want to raise your hand? Yeah. Do you want me to give you a vegetarian uh, bacon flavor? Uh, sure. Is it? Well, it's this, the bake. It's less about the bacon flavor and more about the fat component of the bacon. Okay. Never mind then. Okay. Um, so let's that. actually, let's split this off. You're going to get two recipes. First recipe is going to be with bacon. <laughs> Second recipe is this, not going to be with bacon. I already, I felt myself getting confused on, on uh, ingredient two. All right. So you're going to ha- start off with a small to medium size, um, green cabbage, uh, or some people call them white cabbage, right? Um, you're going to have four or five pieces of bacon. Um, let's use also a small onion. Um, and I'm going to say salt and pepper to taste. So you're going to cut your bacon into like bite-sized pieces. You're going to fry it up in your pan. Um, once it's fried up and crisp, remove the actual bacon pieces, put them to the side. Cause we're not going to leave them out. We're going to bring them back. And so then you have the bacon grease that's left. This is what we're going to fry up this cabbage with. So as that bacon was cooking and you didn't walk away from the stove because you're not cooking bacon from the couch, you're not doing that, Batavia uh, and others. You're going to shred your cabbage. So cut it in half, then cut it in fourths. Remove the core. That's the really, really hard part in the center. Shred that like in just strips is the way I normally do it. But you, if you want to cut it up a little bit finer than that, that's fine. Um, cabbage is one of those greens and there are a few others that you start off with a lot and then obviously it shrinks down. So you have your hot bacon grease that's in your pan. You have your shredded cabbage. Uh, you're also going to cut up your onion in this version, right? Um, I do that in slices as well. Add the onion to the bacon grease. Um, you want to adjust your heat here cause you don't want to burn the onion, but you want to cook it until the point where it's like browned a little bit and a little bit translucent. Once that happens, three or four minutes, you're going to add your cabbage in a little bit at a time, right? Because I don't want to steam this cabbage. I I really want that frying effect. So you add your cabbage in as it starts to wilt and gets a little bit of color, continue to add more and more. And so you have the point where basically every piece of cabbage is somewhat softened. So then you're going to come back around and, and do your salt and pepper to see or to taste. So season that you can taste as you go along. Um, and then right before two or three minutes before you're at the point where you really have the color you want, add that bacon back in because you want that bacon to kind of still be a little bit crispy. And then, you know, get your plates ready and it's a nice side version of that for vegetarian. Start off with some olive oil Add some sliced, diced, or cut up garlic. That's going to be our flavoring here. I'm not going to add onions to this version. Once those uh, garlic pieces cook up, I'm going to add my cabbage in in the same way. I'm going to season this with salt and pepper. And feel free to add some garlic powder in there if you want. When I get to the point of the same idea of I'm actually getting this crisp, if you will, the cabbage, I'm not steaming it. Once it gets to the point of being almost done, we have a secret ingredient. Fresh lemon juice. Okay. Season up. Interesting. I didn't add salt and pepper, did I? Add salt and pepper to that second version too. (laughs) 
So you're not deep frying it. No, it's absolutely not deep fried. It's absolutely is it be crispy? fried. Is it going to be crispy though? Uh, it's going to have that brownish color, but it's, okay. it's still going to be wilted and soft. Okay. Okay. I like it because I'm growing an abnormal amount of cabbage this year. So yeah. if I get it, I'm going to need ways to eat it yeah. for sure. And feel free to add any other uh, seasonings because that's really what's going to turn this dish around. Your base of either bacon, grease, or garlic and olive oil is going to add something to it. But whatever their seasons you add to it, that's going to really make the dish a dish. Why would you take the onions out of it, though? That makes me upset. Uh, because I was adding the lemon at the end and I've not made it with onions and i'm not sure about the, the flavors combined okay might have to try that so i want to say that this show originally started out as a, a vegetarian uh show and batavia has said a lot like oh i just want to keep it vegetarian and i've always said like it's okay you don't have to and i respect the fact that she brought it today with the meat and then gave a second recipe without the meat so uh Big ups to uh, Batavia for that. I think it's very respectful of you, and I appreciate that. Come on, that's come on I'm with still that. You got a compliment. I'm, Take it. I'm still the controller. Don't be confused, guys and gals. <laughs> so yeah, and I mean, you should grow cabbage because it will uh, it'll do good in your garden. It's not a perennial. And in your belly, well, in your belly, and the rest. Um, so it'll make you toot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah beep, beep. so i do want to make one comment before we close out and when i listen to this episode i'm sure i'm going to make some notes i feel like there is so much more i wanted to say all throughout this episode it feels like we scratched the surface on like every turn we took so let's do another one yeah maybe i, I may feel differently after i listen to it again well you know what i'll let you be the judge all right sounds good you and leonard <laughs> So, everybody, you now you know how we feel, or maybe you don't. Maybe you got confused just like we did. Who knows? But one more time for the record, should you grow anything, anytime, anywhere? Okay, there, I'm done with that. Never say it again. And everybody, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a member of the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you feel so inclined, feel free to become a patron and check out our Amazon list below. It'll help us out. It'll help you out. Everything's tested and... What was the code again? Jolly BYG for the t-shirts. That's right. And stay safe. Wear a mask if you feel so inclined. And we'll talk to you next time. See ya. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you want to see what we're up to or just stay up to date on all the announcements regarding the show or anything gardening, then you can follow us on Instagram at Backyard Gardens TV. We love seeing what you guys are doing. So use hashtag BYG podcast in your post and we'll be sharing your gardens with the Backyard Gardens community. And check us out on YouTube at Backyard Gardens where we will post this show, all of our other shows, clips, and then also some gardening tips and just gardening entertainment. And you can see us at our website at BackyardGardensTV.com. But that's it for today's show. So help us as we learn to grow and grow from change. And until next time, we'll catch you guys later. We'll call this one a wrap. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in.